0: Good morning, it's good to be talking to you all, um, Ian has made my excuses already which is great isn't it, <laughs> I wasn't abandoned as much as, as Ian made, Neil was very gracious and as he often does when I speak, um, gives me some context on the chaps that we're talking about so thank, thank you to Neil for that, I, I, I'm saying that not to thank Neil but if there's anything you, I don't like that you say, <laughs> if I say anything you don't like that was Neil's bit okay, my, mine's the good bits. Just to cover myself. Last week, uh, this week we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4. Quite a big chunk of the Bible. Um, so we're going to read that in just a moment. Um, and we're looking at it in the context of a church that dares. Last week, Neil spoke about the very simple truth that Jesus is alive. What that means to us, what that ge- expectations that gives us, the hope that gives us, and how that impacts how we live our lives. And so we're taking that message from last week that Jesus is alive and we're taking it and applying it and seeing how that helps us and pushes us forward as a church that dares. So we're going to read chapters 3 starting at verse 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple courts. He saw Peter and John about to enter. He asked them for money. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. If we read the rest of chapter 3, which we're not going to do, we'd see that Peter then stands up and addresses a large crowd of people. We're going to jump to the start of chapter 4. The elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, so, and, and so were Cepheus, John, Alexander, and the others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, And are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you. And we jump to verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported that all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. They did what your people and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Quite a big chunk of the Bible we've read there and this is one of those stories in the Bible where and chapters where there's loads of different things happening and loads of different layers for us to have a look at and as the story unfolds and develops it starts with Peter and John walking up to the temple to pray that wasn't unusual really that was something that they would do in their culture on a daily basis sometimes even three times a day they would go up to the temple and pray there was nothing significant or different about that really from a normal day and same for the man that was laid at the gate we read there that he's been laid at the gate regularly each day in order to beg for money from those entering in the temple for him again it was just another normal day there was no clue as to what was about to happen there was no clue that something significant was going to happen there was no clue that God was actually going to break into this everyday situation you know when we read stories in the Bible I think it's because we're so used to watching telly and films we read the story already knowing don't we what's going to happen and it's almost like we can imagine well of course Peter and John said this to the layman, and of course someone was healed because that's what happens in this story, but to them it was a normal day. It wasn't like Hollywood where as they walked up the hill the music starts and the lights change and you sense that something's about to happen. It was a normal day. But it was a really, really significant day in the lives of John and Peter and the layman, but also for the wider community. The fact that this happened just outside the temple wasn't coincidental. In their culture, up in this time, up until this point, the temple had been the place where God met with his people. The temple was where you went to hear from God. The temple was the place where heaven touched earth. Yet what we see here is God starting to do something new because we see heaven touching earth outside of the temple. No longer is it contained to within the temple. No longer is it away from the people, but it's out in the street where people can go and people can walk. We see heaven touching earth outside of the temple, but in the name of Jesus. The statement is that Jesus is now that touching point where heaven touches earth. It was a hugely significant moment, but to them, it started out as just a normal day. And my first thoughts when I think about this is, you and I, or maybe it's just me, I have normal days every day. Nothing, you know. I don't, and tomorrow isn't going to, isn't some amazing day. It's just a normal day. I'll be doing the same things in the same places with the same people. But don't you want God to break in? Don't you want where you are to be an expression of heaven touching earth? Last week we had a story when Neil interviewed Christine at the front of her day, her time over at school, and her last day at school, which would have been a really difficult moment. But we see that God broke in. God broke in through her obedience. Don't you want to see that? Isn't that what the aim is as church, that we would go out and we'd be part of those moments? So how did it happen? What brought that moment of heaven to earth? Why did a normal, everyday experience come into something so amazing? Well, it starts, if my clicker works. Could you flip me on? No? Ah, yes. One more. Brilliant. It responds, it starts with an interruption. Peter and John are walking up to the temple and they're interrupted. They know where they're going, they know what they want to do, but it starts with an interruption and it starts with a question. If you could put the next one on for me, please. They respond to the interruption, but not as if it's an inconvenience. They respond to it, by recognising that God is at work. There's something here that God wants to do. It might be a normal, everyday situation, but being full of the Holy Spirit, they recognise God is at work here. And we see them. it's quite interesting that where it says they looked at the man and Peter said, look at me. He wanted a connection. It wasn't a transient thing. It wasn't just a passing relationship. God is about to do something and Peter is saying, I want you to see this. I want you to experience heaven touching earth. He said, look at me. And they looked at him. The man was asking for money. But as they looked at him, Peter knew that actually his need was far greater than money. He was asked a question, but that question only revealed a deeper need in that man's life. He needed to be healed. And so they respond to the interruption. They recognize God at work. And it says the man was looking at them, expecting something. What was he expecting? Well, most probably we can assume that when he's asked for money what he's expecting them to do the answer is there's some money or there's some food maybe he was expecting to get told I haven't got any money leave me alone maybe he was even expecting just have the brush off as they walk past he was looking at them expecting something and what is it that is the key line in the story it's when Peter turns to him and dares to give the unexpected answer Peter turns to him and says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Now, maybe I well haven't got as much faith as Peter. When I read that story, I think that was a bit of a risk, wasn't it? To turn around and give that unexpected answer and say, in the name of Jesus, walk. In itself, that's a pretty bold thing to do. But then I think that the fact that he reaches down and pulls the man up as well. I mean, that could have gone spectacularly wrong, couldn't it? Rather than the headline be, lame man healed, it's disabled man assaulted. It's a massive risk. But Peter is prepared and dares to give an unexpected answer. And in that moment, he releases the power of God and we see heaven touch earth. They respond to an interruption. They recognize that God's at work and they dare to give the unexpected answer. And what do they gain? Well, they gain something of value, don't they? That moment where the man's life is changed. I think for them, it would have been a changing moment as well as they step out on their ministry without Jesus. It would have been a significant moment for them. It was significant for the community. Something precious. But that moment came when they were prepared to dare. Could you pop me on? To gain something of value, there is always a price to be paid. In order to see that happen, Peter and John had to give something. They had to be prepared to take a risk. Ephesians 3.10 tells us that his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. What that's telling us is that God has a plan and God has a purpose. You and I, as his church, are part of his plan for releasing his power and demonstrating his love to the world around us. And to see that happen, Peter is a demonstration of it, to see that happen, there's a price to be paid. For Peter and John, there was a price to be paid. For a start, they spent the night in prison for the first time. What a shock that must have been. I'm stepping out for God And now I'm in prison. For us, when we step out for God, there's always going to be a price to pay. It might be our time. It might be our finance. For people in some parts of the world, stepping out for God might mean spending a night in prison or longer. Very often for us, those moments where we step out for God are about us being prepared to risk looking silly. Prepared to be Rejected. Prepared to say something that is so out of the ordinary, so left field, so unexpected, that we might make a situation worse. It's that fear of failure. When do those moments come? Well, I'm sure we've all experienced those times where someone at work opens up to us about something. A neighbour tells us about an illness or a family situation. Someone, a, a friend, tells us of a situation they're going for. And in that Telling us that story, they reveal a deeper need. And sometimes we can start to sense God doing something, can't we? How do we respond? Well, what's the expected answer in our culture? Tea and sympathy, generally speaking. I remember a few years ago I was working um, as a purchasing manager at a company in Manchester. And I was sat in my office one morning. And there was a knock at the door and I looked up and there was a guy called Simon who was a rep from a microphone company that we dealt with, I knew Simon quite well, and um, he lived in Birmingham, so I said, oh, didn't know you were coming, he said, oh, he said, I just needed to see a friendly face this morning, so oh, come and sit down, and I, as he sat down, I said, God, you look awful, Simon, you look terrible, I was practicing my ministry of encouragement at the time, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. and um, and he said, and he sat there then for about 15 minutes, and he started to open up about his newborn baby who was in intensive care. Doctors didn't know what was wrong. Him and his wife couldn't cope. And he shared this story for about 15 minutes. And in my heart, I felt like saying, I thought, this is the moment. God's doing something here. God wants me to pray with him. God wants me to speak. In my mind, I'd got all these amazing things that were going to happen. And Simon finished talking. And I said, Simon, do you want a cup of tea, mate? (laughs) And I bottled it. I absolutely bottled it. And as soon as I said it, as soon as the moment was passed, I just had that sense in me of, oh, why? Why didn't I speak out? And I remember I was really gutted about it. And I was talking to my pastor at the time, and I told him the story. You know, yeah, you're right. You completely bottled it. <laughs> I think I knew where I got my ministry of encouragement from, actually. But he said, you know what? He says, there's hope for you. He says, because you know what would be worse than bottling it would have been not seeing the moment in the first place. And so maybe, as we live our lives, when we come across those opportunities, we need to be able to recognise the moment. Not just a man telling me about his child, but actually an opportunity where God wants to work. We need to see the moment. We need to give not the expected answer, but the unexpected answer. A friend of mine, a few months ago, was stood in a petrol station. He was on his way to work. He'd filled up with petrol, and he runs into the petrol station. He gets into the petrol station and there's a queue, and he's irritated, as you all, as you would be, and he sits there a bit frustrated, he's stood in this queue, and he realises after about a minute that the queue's not moving, so he sort of steps to the side, and he looks what's going on, and it's obvious there's a bit of an issue going on at the till, there's a man and a woman that are working at the garage, and there's a bit of an argument going on, a bit of a, uh, a situation, and the more he listened, what had happened was someone had come to the petrol station, they'd filled up the car, and they'd driven off without paying, and this girl, was talking to the guy and explaining that this was the second one she'd had this week and she'd not noted the registration number and all the consequences and what was going to happen. She'd have to pay. She hadn't got the money. Mark said, I sensed a moment. And so I walked to the front of the queue and I said, can I help you? He said, at that moment in time, I had no idea what I was going to do. And the lady turned to me and she said, what can you do? And Mark said, I'll pay for the petrol. Oh, There's my card, I'll pay for the petrol. And so he paid for the petrol and the man carried on serving. And the lady took him to one side and said, Why would you do that? Why would anybody do that? And Mark said he spent 10 minutes talking to the lady about her situation, praying with her and explaining that God loves her and God cares for her. Just the unexpected answer. That's what God wants us to give. We have to dare to give it. But sometimes, like me, we get it wrong. Sometimes, like my friend Mark... We get it right. And so how do we move from giving the expected answer to giving the unexpected answer? Well, that's where this story is brilliant because Peter is a walking, living, breathing illustration of that. Because this Peter who stood up and spoke in front of 5,000 people, who pulled the disabled person up, who spoke with power and authority, is still the same Peter that we all know just a short time before when he was asked by the servant girl, are you with this man? no, not me. The expected answer, not me, nothing to do with me. Yet here we see Peter transformed in someone bold and powerful, sensitive to the spirit and knows what he needs to say and knows what he needs to do. What was the difference? Well, I think the first difference was what Neil talked about last week. Peter had a real understanding of who Jesus was and that Jesus was alive. He'd seen Jesus crucified. He'd seen him raised from the dead and he was living under the knowledge that God, Jesus is alive and the power and the expectation that comes with that that Neil was talking about. The second thing we get the glimpse of we read in Acts 4, it says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, in close relationship with the Spirit, being able to sense what the Spirit is saying and doing, it brought a boldness. It brought a daring. It transformed a man who was afraid and a coward into someone who spoke boldly. Whenever we use the words dare or daring, I always think of this man. He who dares wins, Rodders. Yeah? Daring But that line, he who dares wins, is stolen from these people and this logo. Does anyone know what that stands for? The SAS, the the Special Air Service. Allegedly, the most daring and fearless soldiers on the planet. The elite, the best of the best. Now, before we were married, Claire used to work as a nanny for a guy who was in the SAS. And where we used to live in Hereford, we had quite a few friends that were in the SAS. And they would talk sometimes about different things that they'd done. And they talk, they're so pedantic, these people. They talk about planning and detail. And I remember once saying to John, well, that's not very who dares wins, is it? And John said, you know what? Our real logo within the SAS is preparation, preparation, preparation. Because anyone who dares without preparing is a fool. Anyone who dares without preparing is a fool. And John went on to say, most of the time, you can win the battle before you even enter it if your preparation is right. When I was growing up, this will be a shock to you, but I used to talk quite a lot when I was younger. And I had a, a, quite a good skill that I could talk without ever engaging my mind. It was brilliant. And I was forever being told by my mum Stephen, think about what you're saying. People say that to me. I'm shocked. <laughs> we could start a club, Annie. to be honest, couldn't we? Let's be honest. Yeah, my mom used to say, time, she said, you know, when someone says something to you, you need to pause and take that moment to say, am I going to give that answer or am I going to give this answer? And my mom always used to talk to me about the moment of grace. And she said, you need that moment of grace when you decide what you're going to say. What is going to be your answer? And she used to say to me, you know what? The closer you are to Jesus, the longer that moment of grace is. What she used to be saying was, the closer you are to Jesus, the more chance you're going to make the right answer and you're going to give the right call. How do we ensure that we move from giving the expected answer to the unexpected answer? By making sure our relationship with Jesus is fresh and current. Making sure that we're full of the Holy Spirit. Making sure that we know who God is in our lives. That we're fresh and we're current in our relationship. In Acts 4.29, they prayed, Now, Lord, consider their hearts and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. If we want to move from a place of giving the expected to the unexpected answer, it starts with prayer prayer. It starts with getting before God before we even get into any of the daring issues on a day-to-day basis. It starts today with prayer and committing our lives to God. Making sure our relationship is fresh with Jesus. And so, what do we do with the story of Peter? Peter, John and the lame man. For them, it was just a normal day. It started out as an everyday normal day. Then there's an interruption and a question. But because Peter is full of the Holy Spirit and believing Jesus is alive, he doesn't see an interruption and a question. He sees the opportunity and he sees the deeper need. And he sees an opportunity for him to give the unexpected answer which will bring that meeting point between heaven and earth through the power of God. Tomorrow, for me, it's a normal day. I'll be back at work. I'll be dealing with in the same places, dealing with the same people, with the same stresses and strains that are left on my desk when I walked out on Friday afternoon. It's just a normal day. But tomorrow is also a day that God has got plans. God has got purposes and God has chosen to use me and he's chosen to use you because that's God's plan and purpose. And so tomorrow my hope is that I'll pay attention to the people around me. I'll pay attention to the situations and the circumstances I find myself in. And I'll pay attention to the Spirit prompting me when and where to go, when and where to speak out, when to give the unexpected answer. Are we in that place with Jesus? Can you say you're in that place with Jesus this morning, understanding that he's alive and living in that, being full of the Holy Spirit so that in those moments of grace, We choose to follow God's plan. That's what I want. That's what I want tomorrow as I step out my door, that I'll go with the intent, no matter where I'm going, Peter was going to the temple, but he allowed himself to be diverted. Tomorrow, wherever I'm going, will I allow myself to be diverted? Peter was sensitive to the Spirit so that he recognised, not the person, not an inconvenience, but he recognised God speaking and saying, this is a moment. This is a moment. And will I be full of boldness? That I dare to give the unexpected answer. Because there is no daring church without daring Christians. We need to respond to an interruption. We need to recognise God is at work. And we need to dare to give an unexpected answer. Should we just pray? Father God, we thank you that there is a plan and purpose in this world. We thank you that you involve us, your church, in that plan and purpose. Father God, we pray that as we go around our business tomorrow, that we will be, you will fill us with your Spirit. Fill us with your anointing, Father, that wherever we go, we will see opportunities. Wherever we go, we will see circumstances and we will see the deeper need. And Lord, we pray as they prayed in Acts 4, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Jesus, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus, your holy servant. Amen.